Brain Noodles. So we are down a cast member today, which um, is due to the ultimate enemy of adulthood, scheduling. Um, Truth. That is yeah. very true. <laughs> so uh, Sarah is not, Dr. Sarah Sawyer is not with us today, unfortunately, but I am fortunately not by myself. I am still joined by Dr. Kelly Dunlap and Dr. Rachel Cowart. So thank you guys. Welcome. Oh, Welcome. hi. Hi. So you, you all survived New Year's. Yes. Sure. Yeah, pretty easily, actually. It was New, Year's, yeah. New Year's was not hard. What did you guys do for New Year's Eve? We went over to a friend's house and played board games while the children frolicked. And uh, then the children went to bed, except for mine, who decided that he didn't need to sleep. And he, my three-year-old, stayed up until midnight. Wow. I was like, if, I, if I put on a movie and he's sitting on the couch, he's going to fall. Nope. Mm-mm. So he, he had fun counting. The numbers were so much fun. And he liked all the confetti and the balloons. Um, yeah. So New Year's Eve with my three year <laughs> That's impressive. I am impressed. I'm ready wow, to go to sleep. Is, yeah. <laughs> no, me too. I also, I did the same thing as you. I went to a friend's house and played board games and the children frolicked and everyone went to bed. But my four-year-old, who stayed up till midnight, um, and it <laughs> took like two twins. days to recover from that staying up till midnight. Oh God! But yes, she also liked the balloons and the confetti. She was confused by Post Malone. Did you watch the countdown? He was standing there. She's like, "Who's that man?" I'm like, "Just don't worry about it. Just look at the numbers and the balloons." <laughs> I probably didn't know who it was either. I mean, there was a person. I'm like, I don't, I don't know who that is. So we'll just. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm jealous that you guys got to play board games. Our board gaming day fell apart, so we did not oh, get to do that. Boo. But uh, we watched The Witcher. Oh, <laughs> that yes. was, and we got through episode four or five on New Year's Eve. Okay. Okay. I'm only on, on I just finished episode two, so okay. we're getting there. I, I'm excited about it. And um, I, there, I know there's a lot of controversy about The Witcher and it being a thing, but like, here is my take on it as a lifelong lover of the fantasy genre to see more fantasy series being made, even if they're not the best, it still is thrilling and exciting because it means there's more fantasy stuff being made and like people are consuming this and wanting more of it. So there's going to be more made. And that's a happy thing for me. Yep. I will, I will second and third that as well. Um, Actually, while I was waiting because we were, we needed to finish Mandalorian, and then we needed to finish uh, Mrs. Maisel, and after that we could get to Witcher. And so I started reading the book while I was waiting for us to get caught up. Um, and you can tell, you can tell it was written in the 1980s. There's definitely mm-hmm. some stuff in the book where I'm like, ugh, there's some stuff already in the show. I'm only two episodes in, where I'm like, oh, why, why did we do that? Um, but I totally agree with the, you know, this idea of, of fantasy being something. Uh, kind of like a lot like games it's not just for kids that people really enjoy this kind of you know epic adventure with elves and demons and magic and that it's not some weird thing but something that's really popular i agree i have not seen the witcher yet um i very much enjoyed watching my husband play the witcher games i never played them but they were always kind of in the background of my house um so I just finished The Mandalorian last night. We can talk about that later. But The Witcher is next. So maybe next time we can talk mm-hmm. a bit more about I, it. I've tried rewriting the words to toss a coin to your Witcher to be toss a coin to your therapist. Um, <laughs> it's a work in progress. I'm not ready to, to commit to that yet, but I'm working on it. It is on oh, Twitter. We get, yeah, we should get Kelly the Opera Geek to uh, work that. For- oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the other Kelly with the other redheaded Kelly with an eye. Yes. <laughs> No, it's, um, it's an interesting series. When you guys both have watched it, I like to kind of pick your brains. I like to hear Sarah's thoughts on it as well. Like it's, yeah, there's definitely like some tropiness and stuff in it. That's not great, but like, there's a lot of things that are big step forward that I'm enjoying about it too. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff too. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes the not good stuff stand out all the more. Cause I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh no, but you were being so good about X. Why? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why did you do this? Um, but that's that's what makes it such a great piece to talk about. So mm-hmm. looking forward to more all cut up on that. Yeah. Well, and just I before we jump off of that topic too, though, one of the things I love is um I, I'm terrible with remembering actors' names. So the guy who plays Geralt, 
who was also Superman. Mm-hmm. Yes, Henry that, Cavill. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I saw an interview with him where someone's going, well, how do you feel about portraying somebody who's such a big part of like a fandom and has all this followings? And he's like, I'm a huge fan. I've played like a thousand hours of The Witcher 3. I've read all the books. I'm I'm the fan. Like, <laughs> like I'm really hitting my expectations. And I, I, this might have been the same article, um, but there was one about how he was talking about how he really enjoys just being at home and playing the game. And mm-hmm. that, you know, this idea of being out in the open and like the attention and the fandom and all that kind of stuff. He's like, really, the thing that I enjoy most is just being at home and playing the video game. Like that to me is relaxing. And it was very, uh, you know, like game normative of this is somebody mm-hmm. that people look up to. I don't think anybody would say that he's antisocial or lacks social skills or, you know, is a disappointment in any kind of way or any of those tropes that we have around people who play games. And here's this very famous person saying, yeah. I play video games and it helps. And that, that made me so happy. That's an excellent point. Yeah, that's very cool. All right. So now we all have caught up on the Mandalorian. So Mandalorian spoiler alert, but yes. uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm going to find the actor who punched baby Yoda and I'm going <laughs> to kill him. Not the stormtrooper, not the character, the actor. I am coming for you. You need to have standards. If you were on a set and someone said to punch baby Yoda, you should have walked away. Just walked away. You know, he thumped the bag and then he thumped it twice. And then twice. he it. And I told the ladies before we started recording that I actually sat up in my chair and said WTF really loudly when that happened to the point where my husband was like, Rachel, the kids are sleeping. I was so, so upset. Yes. <laughs> so I was, I like, I grabbed my husband. I'm like, <gasps> how could you do? Oh yeah. my God, you monster. <laughs> yeah. I will say though, that scene, like other than the punching of the baby Yoda was something I have wanted to see in Star Wars for so long, which is just two stormtroopers standing around being soldiers. And and being very bad at shooting things. <laughs> oh my it God, was so, so funny. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that that scene is really reminiscent of, God, it's probably almost 10 years old now, but there was a, a YouTube series where it was just stormtroopers in remote oh. locations sitting on speeders talking to each other. Oh, I, I have seen it. it. I, I know the one you're talking about. They had like a um, Remember the Death Star Day and they were yeah. all in a bar and talking yeah. about where they were when the, they found out the Death Star had been blown up. Yeah, so that that was, to me was like, oh, I wonder if that's a reference to this fandom. And then of course, I was also thinking in my my geek brain that it's very very similar to Red versus Blue, which yeah. is the the Halo based machinima, and literally it's you know two inept armies in a box canyon and having these kinds of like really banal conversations about random stuff. Um, and so I was like, okay, I wonder I wonder how how much I'm reading into this and how much of this really is like internet geek fandom like tip of the hat like we see you i would like to hope that it's a tip of the hat i've decided it is so that's just gonna be my reality (laughs) it was yeah that kind of just yeah it reminded me of thor because right it was directed by the guy who directed um that Mm -hmm. was directed by uh taiko and i'm glad that you went for that pronunciation because i was not going to try um yeah so it made me laugh because obviously one of the best parts about the Thor movies is like the banter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I didn't, it wasn't so good that I forgave the punching of the Yoda, but oh, it lessened the blow a little bit. No. Unintended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of, of what her name is. Um, I don't know the actress. I don't even remember the character's name, but the shock trooper. Um, oh yeah oh my gosh she was so cool she was my favorite because i was having i was having some serious um trepidation because we started watching the mandalorian and there was not a single female on screen speaking for the first i think three episodes Mm. and Mm. i was like "Mm." and someone said oh well the the mandalorian armor lady i'm like yeah but you don't see her face like there's there's something there like literally there there is there's not even two definitely not two women talking to each other but like not even the you don't even see a woman speak you hear one but you don't even see one and so I was really glad when they brought her in as like 
not quite a foil, but like a counterpart and a badass in her own right. Because mm-hmm. um, I was, I was a little on like. Mm, the armor also turned out to be quite badass. Oh my god! That, yeah. So when she had that scene when she was beating up the stormtroopers, um, again, ton of spoilers. If you haven't watched it, yeah, just stop sorry, watch it. But yeah. like uh, when she hits this one stormtrooper down into her, um, oh yeah, the vat it, it, of into whatever. the vat stuff. Yeah. The only thing I could think is like she's super pissed off that she had to do that because now she's <laughs> going to have to clean it out because it has that <laughs> shitty armor in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just looked. Uh, um, the actress is Gina Carano, which oh, yeah. I knew. I knew, but <laughs> yeah, of course, my brain doesn't want to work when I want it to. Yeah, well, we're recording like you know towards the time of the day when most of our brains are starting to wind down. So it's. Uh... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was one of the the highlights for me. Um, I love the spaghetti western feel. I liked that. Mm-hmm. That was very different. Mm-hmm. I loved, you know, the just. It felt like it really embraced the lore. No spoilers for uh, Rise of Skywalker for some people who haven't heard it, including a person on this podcast who will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> you know, it just, it. I hope it's not cliche to say, but it just was what it was. It wasn't mm-hmm. trying to piece everything together. It was just like existing in its own space, telling its mm-hmm. own story. And I really appreciated that. And I think that's probably what resonates with a lot of people is it's not, it's so like we were talking about stormtroopers. It's those small moments, you know, mm-hmm. that that moment with Baby Yoda, the moment with you know the Mudhorn, and just those small things that just make make the world rich. You don't need this giant galactic scale thing. You can have something really small where it feels personal. Just the moment where Baby Yoda sticks his head down from the ceiling when he's like spying on the conversation. Like those little things are just. Or when he, he unscrews the knob on yeah. his hyperdrive and hands yeah. it to him, and I'm like, yeah. oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so sweet. Well, and also like they just from a, a filmmaking perspective, you know, the fact that they showed the Mandalorian's origin of mm-hmm. when he became a foundling and was being rescued by the Mandalorians, and then in the very same way, he's rescuing Baby Yoda. Yes, I loved that bad. as well. Like shooting off with his backpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially because the Star Wars universe has a real problem with repeating the same tropes over and over again of like family and lineage family and bloodline lineage and bloodline family and like we we get it um, yeah. and so to see someone acting in a compassionate way that has no relation to blood or species or language or really anything but like this being needs help and this ultimate empathy of i remember what it was like for me so i'm going to take care of you um coming from a character who is like the ultimate guy badass you know he's this amazing fighter and he can do everything and he you know he's i get he, he's the version of ultra macho that i want ultra macho people to look up to like none of the <laughs> none of the misogyny none of the like super sexist mm-hmm. stuff but like i am a good human being and i'm going to use my strengths and powers to help those who need help this is the way this, this is, is the way. way have you seen um there's a there's a drawing of the uh mandalorian armorer the the woman in her dress and she's got uh the rosie the riveter pose and it says this is the way (laughs) i saw it on a journal like "Mm." i ended up going one with a unicorn on it but i might have to go back for it it's it's really good this is that's pretty cool yeah i I like the fact that it is telling a new story in the star wars universe because like it's a whole universe like we can get different stories aside from skywalker and the force and everything and like it you know the world that they set up in star wars is supposed to be that being a jedi is incredibly rare Mm -hmm. Uh, being force sensitive is incredibly rare but because all the movies have focused solely around force sensitive people it doesn't feel that way and i I agree so it's it's like now we're starting to get that idea of like the jedi are rare where there's you know when they're talking about them like oh we've heard of these wizards called jedi um yeah, because when the armorer makes that comment, like, we've heard this lore that there used to be people and they were called Jedi, I, my husband is far more on the up and up with the Star Wars, like, timelines and stuff. I'm not that attention to detail 
oriented when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> but I was like, oh, so is this like the Jedi are not around? And he was like, no, no. And he was like, Luke's probably, you know, in his 20s, like the, the force is around. He's like, but they have, you know, intergalactic travel, but not social media. So they haven't seen like heard word on this planet of like, <laughs> like oh, okay. And then no one's encountered him in this storyline. Yeah, the universe is a big place. The idea that one, yeah. that anybody across the universe would know one person. Right. Um, again, I think that's back to the personal story of, you know, it, it felt like you were there with him on the journey of, which again, I'm full of cliches tonight. I apologize. It's a good show. You don't need to. It's just, I think it's just genuinely a good show. I was telling my brother about it and he's like, can I watch it with my kids? And I was like, actually, yes, you can. It's just a good, mm-hmm. you like, it's good. good show to watch. Yeah. I would like a nurse droid. I know. Oh, personally. gosh. I would like I a former war machine turned nurse droid, please. <laughs> to, to tend my baby Yoda. Yes. yes. <laughs> Which I found out today, apparently he has a name. It is not baby Yoda. But I also think it's incredibly naive of anybody in that creative department to think that anyone will call that thing anything other than baby Yoda. Oh, Like if you yeah. wanted to give it a name, that boat sailed. That ship took hyperspace. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's gone. It is forever Baby Yoda or perhaps Baby Not Yoda. Yes. Forever. And I got a Baby Yoda mug for Christmas. Ooh. I got a Baby Yoda mug for Christmas. <gasps> <laughs> Same seas. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny too because I had to do a bit of emotional repair after i mean the episode ended on a high note but i pre-ordered the baby yoda plushie they have a plushie and it comes with a little cup of tea and a little frog and my husband saw in the amazon cart and this evening he turned to me he's like what are you gonna do with like a yoda plushie and i the look i gave him he kind of said oh, okay yeah i mean business give me that plushie it is mine wait i will i will not ask this anymore <laughs> You don't, I don't need a reason, okay? <laughs> I do have to say, too, my favorite Baby Yoda moment was, do the magic hands, baby. Just, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so cute. Oh, and, yeah, I love Yoda. And I, I'm so curious. Like, I wish I could ask my, you know, pre-child self what mm-hmm. it's like seeing Baby Yoda. Because one thing that they did so well is, like, the coups that he makes. They don't even try yeah. to disguise it. It is straight up like a three-month-old cooing at you and every time it happens my ovaries are like oh, baby attend to it nurture the psychology kelly come on oh, yeah no the, the the hormones the oxytocin everything starts yeah. going and yeah. so I'm, I'm super curious if for anyone out there who you know has that kind of feeling about baby yoda obviously you know if you haven't had a kid i'd be super curious about um that experience but it's been really fun seeing like some, you know, macho dudes going, I would die for baby Yoda. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, seems. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool. And I'll be interested seeing in season two, exploring more of the Mandalorian and Yoda's, uh, baby Yoda's uh, relationship. Like, because in um, so the third to last episode, the one where they did the heist on the prison ship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that had Tonks in it. <laughs> yes. Um, the last scene is they're flying away. He's talking to baby Yoda and like, you know, it, it could be taken as a way of like just a person who's talking to someone nonverbal, but it all, it sounded really like he was finishing a conversation. Mm. I mean, if you could understand Chewie, you can, I'm sure understand baby Yoda. There you go. (laughs) I just say one of my favorite parts, um, was the episode with Amy Sedaris. Mm-hmm. Um, and for any Bojack Horseman fans out there, she's the voice of Princess Caroline. And that's all I could think about whenever she spoke was like, <laughs> Princess Caroline's in, in the cat is in the is in the Mandalorian and she's taking care of, of baby Yoda. Yeah, it's just <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear that or not. If so, let's cut that. Amelia, let's just look we'll, we'll get that. the baby sounds. Yes, but baby sounds straight to the ovaries. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And it's going to, but it's not coming back until this fall or next fall. It's going to be a while, but it is yeah. coming back. So, plus there's all those new Star Wars IPs that are coming out. There's a, yeah. there's two new ones that are TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading an article that I thought was, I think I had a really good point that the future of Star Wars is on television. Because the stories that Star Wars tries to tell 
are ones that are much more um, in line with the way that you can tell a story through a TV audience, especially through something like Netflix or HBO when you can binge it. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, no, no spoilers for Rise of Skywalker, but it was like they were trying to shove in three or four different movies into one. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that has always been a problem with a lot of the Star Wars films. And so by doing it in a serialized version like The Mandalorian, I think you do get to have those more um, important small moments that you could never ever do mm-hmm. in a two and a half hour movie. And I'm glad it was 40 minutes instead of an hour for someone who's very sleep deprived. 40 minutes. I don't know. It, the last 20 minutes could have just been Baby Yoda holding the little tea going, oh. <laughs> 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 And I, 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 one of my last thoughts on this too is just how glad I am that they used a practical effect rather than yes. CGI. Yes. That made all the difference. For, for like 90% of it. There was one, there were a couple scenes where they did use a CGI Yoda, but that definitely, I think, carried into the the emotional attachment part because there wasn't like that uncanny valley thing. It was like, oh, you're like a puppy. You're like a green, wrinkly, old baby puppy. <laughs> Is it time for a break? Uh, yeah, let's do a break. <laughs> <laughs> we'll promote some books and stuff. Let's do it. Rachel's got a couple books. I have books everywhere. <laughs> Are you looking for a book to talk to children about girls? Do you want to see little ladies solving their own problems? Buy Pragmatic Princess today on Amazon by Dr. Rachel Cohort. Megan's looking at me like it's time. And we're back. So as we mentioned earlier, it is now 2020, the year of hindsight, or the year of critical success if you're a D&D player. Or both. So um, we've all been like on our chat where we talk about what we're going to discuss on the podcast. Um, Each of us has been geeking out about our planners and our journals that we've gotten. So we're going to talk a little bit about getting organized in 2020 and organizing ourselves. I love that we are all stationary nerds. (laughs) I would like to just give the disclaimer. I am not a stationary nerd. I, I have a planner for the first time in my life. (gasps) What? Yes. So I, I am, I am new to this and I'm happy to, to talk about how I came to this, this point in my life. Um, but I, I am surrounded by people who thoroughly enjoy their planners to, to points probably almost level with baby Yoda. <laughs> oh, if they had a baby Yoda planner, I, would I was just it. thinking that like, Oh, I would be on it, but I don't, I don't think that exists. That'll have to be like a homemade yet. yet. Yeah. Anyway. What about you, Megan? Tell us about your love for planners. So I've been using planners since high school. We had to use them in high school, um, but we actually didn't have like count. It, the planners we were given in high school were um, teacher lesson plan ones mm-hmm. where you had to fill in your classes and then days of the week and what was due on what day. And, every, and it just really helped me learn how to use that. And so I've used them fairly consistently since then, but um, I've been pretty open about this. One of my psychological struggles is anxiety. Uh, a lot of that comes from feeling like I'm not enough and needing to do more. And so the kind of that anxious monster is always like, do more, do more, do more. And so it's awesome in some ways because I have this like cortisol rush from feeling like there's this huge threat out there. And if I don't produce lots of things, that threat is going to get me. Um, and so like I always put too much into my day. And uh, one of my things with planners is trying to limit myself and learn how to only have what's manageable um, in a day that also lets me have fun and relax and paint miniatures and play games and watch, you know, The Witcher and Baby Yoda. So um, it's a love-hate relationship in some ways. Like, I really know that when I use a planner, things go better for me, but sometimes it's just another thing on my list, which isn't fun. Do you use like a planner, like um, like a journal slash planner, or is it like what is your go-to? Um, I just started using this one this year, which I'm saying this one and holding it up because you know it's a podcast. I can see it; it's beautiful. Yeah. It's called the Good Busy Planner. Um, so it's sort of, I guess, a little like a bullet planner, but it limits you to. It says um, at the top three t- tasks for today. 
and it gives you three lines and they are small lines. So you can't cheat and throw in like five things. Um, you do have a place where you can write down secondary tasks, but really it tries to force you to prioritize your day into three things that you're going to try to get done. That's awesome. I find this so interesting. Megan and I were talking a little bit before the show and how we're just so incredibly opposite. She has a, a planner that keeps her limited. Meanwhile, mine, one of the reasons I, well, I'll take a step back. The reason I picked one up was because I felt like, what, what am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like hurtling through the great unknown. And, you know, previously when I had my full-time job, I just had my work calendar. And then now that I don't have that and I've got like 20 different side projects, there's not like one calendar that can contain everything. So that's, I broke down and, and bought a planner. I joined the cult, I guess. Um, still, still at the initiate level. I'm not sure I'm committed. Um, but on mine, it's just, it's open. Like there's a, a month display. So that way I can see like high level, like, oh, this is when PAX is. And this is when I'm doing that, whatever thing. But then there's like the day by day. And I just like put in boxes and write out what I'm going to do as much as I can think of and what comes to mind. Cause that way it's out of my head. Otherwise I have a hard time like falling asleep or concentrating or focusing on other tasks. So far I have found it um, to be helpful in that of like stopping the rumination, stopping the, um, the distraction, I guess, for, for lack of a better word. And I mean, which is silly because I'm sitting here, I know the science, I know the science behind writing things down and freeing up your working memory so that you don't have to just hold on to that one thing and chew it, chew it, chew it. So it doesn't go away. Um, so on one hand, I'm kind of like, you know, I know this, but of course, you know, therapists are always the worst patients and we don't take our own advice, of course. Um, but yeah, just so Megan needs to constrain her list and I need to be good about actually putting down every single thing I can think of um, because that way I can at least be held accountable instead of, oops, I forgot. <laughs> How about you, Rachel? What, what's your go-to planner? How do you use your planner? Um, I like to have a planner that has a month layout and then a week layout. I don't do planners with day by hours because that is too micro for me to manage. Um, I, like Kelly, keep everything in my head. And when I get it all written down, like on the month, like top view, it's like, ah, okay. I can look, I can see what are the deadlines. And then for each day, I just put like, um, you know, work on the grant, this grant application or start this book chapter, just kind of like broad strokes. I'm looking, you can see me, you can't see me, but you guys can see me. <laughs> I have a whiteboard that also kind of has like even more meta, like for the year 2020, what are my ongoing projects and what am I doing? Um, and it's mostly to reduce mental load and reduce anxiety and provide a sense of control that these are the things I have to do and this is when they're due. But I find that I could not live <laughs> without my physical planner. Like Google Calendar is great and it like keeps everything together, but there's something about having the physical book that you can just have with you and see what you're doing and where you're at and how you're progressing and scratching things off when you finish them. That is so satisfying. Oh, it's wonderful. Check marks oh, are beautiful best. things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, and I totally and, second that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it, it, it's something I work with, like uh, some of the clientele I work with um, are adults with ADHD and trying to get organized and learn how to be organized and like actually walking through using a planner and how to organize themselves. And like that idea of taking that proactive look at your life and being like, you know, um, oh, look, I've got it, you know, like for me looking at this year ahead, like October and November are going to suck. <laughs> All my travel happens around then. Um, it's basically I'm traveling every other weekend, those two months almost. Um, so but it like, helps you prepare, right? So now, yeah, you're so like, now I know. January and you're already mentally preparing like those months are going to be really, really busy. Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, I had that revelation just, I think, last night as I was uh, I filled out all my January stuff and I'd filled out most of February and I was on to March because I'm trying to be proactive mm -hmm. and I'm filling stuff out. I'm like, oh wait, PAX East is February like 27th through March 1st. And this Xbox thing is March 6th you know, in Seattle, March 6th through like the 10th. And then it's, then it's spring break. So no class. That's great. But then the week after that is GDC and the week after that is MVP summit. Oh, I'm going to need someone to cover my classes. I'm going to need someone to watch my child. <laughs> like it just, it had not, like I knew all these things were happening, but it had never occurred to me that they would all be happening 
in succession. Like Jenga tiles, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, tetraminos yeah. coming together um, until I actually like, and there, it was on my digital calendar, but because I have different digital calendars, they wasn't all in one place. And there it was staring me in the face and me going, oh, hmm, I need to take care of that sooner rather than later. <laughs> the beauty of a physical planner. Yes. <laughs> Well, I know. And uh, I I did just message uh, Sarah and she said that she wants to give a shout out to the Heroes Journal. And she had talked about that on a previous episode of how it's, it forces you or you to reflect or not forces you, but part of that journal is reflecting and thinking about your day and thinking about your goals and being proactive on working towards who you want to be and what you want to do. Um, and that's something else that I'm really working on with my journaling. So um, when... Back in my before career, when I was in the military, uh, it was always a challenge because we were asked to do more with less and with less time. Um, and so this technique I came up with that I used myself in my clinic, um, specifically for our, all the people that were under me, was uh, using a time budget. And say like, okay, because everybody who worked under me was civilians, and so I could not ask them to stay late. They only could work from 7.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And that was it. And so during that time, they were expected to see X number of clients, do notes, do this. And so I could write out their time in a budget and say like, okay, each week, each one of my clinicians has about three hours that they are not already tasked. Mm -hmm. So if you're giving them a task that requires more than three hours a week, it's not going to happen. And so now I am doing that for myself. So I'm not doing it on the daily. I'm doing it on the week on weekly. So mm-hmm. it's uh, oops, where did I put it all? I'm flipping through this. Yeah. Oh, I put it some. Okay. Yeah. We have 168 hours in a week <laughs> and I'm trying to sleep 56 of those. I'm failing miserably. <laughs> yeah. No. Cause that's eight hours of sleep a night. That's Yeah. <laughs> That would be awesome. I would love eight hours of sleep a night. Oh my gosh. I would too. And if if my child would just obey the planner, then I could get that eight hours. (laughs) But but the child doesn't. He does not care. Yes. Yeah. But like looking at it that way has been helping because like, um, I don't know, but for you two, like with procrastination, one of the things I do is I procrastinate by doing other things. It's not like I procrastinate by sitting down and playing a video game or wasting time. I'm doing it like if I need to fold the laundry is the primary task I am trying to do. I will go do the dishes instead. Yep. I take procrastination in all of its, all of its facets. (laughs) Productive, unproductive. I I am not, I'm not picky in my procrastination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like this might help a little bit with that. Not that was a bad example I gave because that was two household tasks. They would fall under the same hours. But like if I'm going, oh, I'll just keep writing instead of doing the four hours of reading I said I would do in a week. Well, you know, if you if you play video games instead of like doing the laundry, you obviously have gaming addiction. So you should really watch out for that. (laughs) Very good, Kelly. I mean, for, for me, what I've found, and again, I've only been doing this for like three days. So again, su- super noob novice is that it's allowing me to not feel bad about doing nothing. So like the other day mm-hmm. I had like six tasks list out. There were some of them that were like household chores. Some of them were work related. Some of them were, and one of them is the impossible task that I've been trying to do for like a month. I didn't do it yesterday either. So got pushed it a day. It's not going to get done today either. But you know, when you have that one task that it's not even that hard. It's just, you just feel like you just can't. It's just that one thing that you just can't Finish do. Finish all the laundry? No, no, it wasn't that. It has to do with no. my student loans. So oh, there's okay. probably a lot oh. of um, denial and repression <laughs> going on <laughs> to, uh, to push that out of my brain. Yeah. Um, and so if I, don't, if I don't look at it, it isn't real. Understood. So that's my impossible task that has, keeps getting pushed. Um, but then like last night when I was like, you know, I want to play, uh, I want to play a game. And I sat down and I looked at my planner and I had done everything on the list except for the impossible task. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play a game because I did everything that I said that Mm -hmm. I needed to do. Um, And then of course I'll get today's checklist and I didn't do anything 
on that checklist, but I did so much other stuff. So I feel like it balances out. (laughs) Um, And so like, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about planner etiquette. Can I, can I go in and retcon my to-do list to reflect the stuff that I actually Mm -hmm. did? Yes. Well, that that feels, that feels fulfilling. That's why I do it as a weekly thing. So like the weekly goal is to spend um, four hours doing professional reading. And so like, I might say, okay, today I think I can get an hour of reading in or two hours of reading in. But if I, instead I do two hours of writing or um, two hours of Geeks Like Us work or something like that, uh, that's also in the time budget. So it's just putting it around. But then like, it's when you get towards the end of the week and you have those few hours left of those things, that's when Mm. you got to be exercise that d word that none of us like discipline i was gonna ask because you want to do professional reading i know that kelly is doing a game studies related book club via twitter i saw mm-hmm. it was an accident well it sounds um, awesome yeah so it started out i saw somebody else because you know i'm you know you just mimic everything you see uh, somebody else was running a book club and it wasn't really on a topic i was interested in but i was really fascinated on how you run a book club on twitter how do you, how do you do that? Um, and so I was talking to some of my friends, one of which who lives on the, I'm on the East coast. She's on the West coast. Another someone was in the UK. Another someone's in Australia. Like guys, there's no way, there's no way we're going to find a time where we can all be in the same place. Like, it's just not going to happen. I can't even do it with people in the same time zone. Um, so it's not going to happen across international datelines. And so I saw this thread on how to do one on Twitter. And I was like, that would be really cool. So that was part of it. And then the other part was that I am currently, I was going to say this for what are we noodling about? Um, but I'll spoil it now. I am currently reading this lovely book that I'm holding up called The Gamer's Brain. Um, it's by Celia Hodent, who was the director of user experience at Epic Games. And they're the studio officer that made Fortnite. Um, and she was hugely responsible for, um, you know, how popular Fortnite is, is because of the user research that, that she headed up. And the first couple chapters are really um, accessible neuropsych, cognitive psych about basically taking the brainy bits and explaining how they can apply to game development, which of course is super relevant because I'm teaching a class in starting in a week on uh, the psychology of video games. So I started reading that, started talking about it with other people on Twitter. And then I offhandedly say, hey, we should start a book club and just read this. And then there were like 20 people who were like, yeah, let's do that. And so now I, as I often find myself in where my mouth shoots off something that I don't really think about. And all of a sudden, and now something I have to do. Um, Add it to your planner. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're having our first discussion this weekend, actually. Um, and so we'll awesome. see how it goes. And it's only, I think we're doing the first two chapters and that's only like 20 pages. So it's not, it's not a whole lot, but it'll be a good way to, to practice an experiment and see and see what happens. And, people want to come and go and say, please, that's fine. I know there's some people who are very um, strict about their book clubs and that's not me. So <laughs> I, I, we'll see how it goes. And so if you are, if you follow me on Twitter and on a Saturday, all of a sudden you see like me, you can just block me. It's okay. Or like unfollow and then follow me back the next day. Cause I think that's going to, how it's going to have to work is one like threading like have a thread for each of them. Like have the question and then have a bunch of thread on it and then post another one mm-hmm. for the second question and have a thread on that. Um, that's how I think it's going to work. That's cool. But yeah. I've never, I've never run a book club. I've never been in a book club, um, but I'm reading a book and I'm going to talk about it with other people. And I feel like that's a good, especially when the author of the book, Celia herself is like, Hey, let me know. Oh my God. It's Celia Hoden. God, guy. That's like the coolest thing to me about Twitter is that randomly like the, you know, you'll tweet at somebody who you think of as like being a big person, big name, and then they write back to you and you're like, oh my God, I didn't think you would notice me. You mentioned me. You know I exist, at least in this yeah. moment you do. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's a nice New Year's thing going forward is starting a, a book club and hopefully reading and discussing more, which is something I definitely um, wanted to do. And then of course the planner being, I want to... I always want to be more organized, blah, 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 whatever. But like with my life being so much more scattered than it like ever has been, because I was thinking about it. I'm like, why is this so hard? And then, okay. So I did, what was it? 22nd grade. I went to 22nd grade in school. And of course in school, everything is planned 
plan for you. Like, this is what you need mm -hmm. to do. This is when it needs to be due. This is how you can see. This is how you fail. Everything is scripted. And then, you know, finally graduated after 22nd grade. And then you go into a full-time job, which is very much, this is what you do. And here's what's expected. And here are your timelines. And then now I have none of those things for like the first time in the first time ever in my life. I don't have something like that structuring my day. And I think that is why I have been like, a cat, like with their, their claws out, like holding onto two sides of the wall at the same time as it's like puffy and going, yeah, oh my God, um, trying to hold things together. And so I hope, I hope the planner, I hope the planner will help. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and so what tasks are you taking on in 2020, Rachel? I like you did a ton in 2019. Nah, um. so you just ate a <laughs> bonbons, had her feet up. No big. I like to stay busy. Um, I have some more book plans in 2020. Big surprise. <laughs> um, we're coming out the video game debate too in the middle of the year, which is really exciting. Um, I'm trying to find a home for Pragmatic Princess. That's my main 2020 like ultimate goal. Um, as people who have heard the previous podcast know, I published a children's book late last year. Uh, it was funded on Kickstarter, which is great. Um, I printed a thousand copies and it's doing really well. I'm actually printing another 2,500. Oh, congrats. Yeah. I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. So it's going really well, but it's still a one woman show. And I, you know, I have that and I have take this and I have children and I have things I like to do. So it's hard to maintain all of these things at like the level at which it needs the attention. Um, so yeah, so my goal is to find a home for it um, that makes it not a one woman show, more of a team show. So talking to like book agents and publishers and this and that, the other thing. That's my main overarching kind of where my energy is primarily going to. But that said, I have a lot of other books and take this business and um i want to take a vacation <laughs> I what's really that vacation <laughs> i don't know what that is i haven't taken one in so long um <laughs> but i live in ottawa and it's only a four-hour flight to iceland and so i think we're gonna try to go to iceland as a family and do like the blue lagoon experience um I was so, thinking, you know, it's only like a two-hour flight to Maryland, where I live. That's true. And it's also like a two-hour <laughs> flight to Boston, where I will be seeing all of you lovely ladies, right? Well, I probably won't be Pax there. <gasps> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sticking more just to straight tabletop conventions this year, I think. Mm. I understand. My well, yeah. So what, what, is, what is your 2020 future cast look like? I'm trying to, again, be a good psychologist and practice what I preach. Um, which is one of the things I talk about a lot is being deliberate. Um, the theme I see in a lot of the adults I work with is drifting in life and kind of ending up somewhere and not being happy with where you've ended up and then trying to figure out what it, it's this interesting thing. People are miserable and they don't know why. And then you start digging into it. And it's like, oh, because you're not anywhere that's meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. you're, it's mm -hmm. not that you're broken or something's wrong. It's just like, you're doing a job that you hate and therefore you're going to be miserable day to day. And how did you end up there? And it's this thing of like, we just kind of take what looks good rather than sitting and actually deliberately looking and going, where do I want to focus my energy? And so that's part of this for me is trying to like with the conventions, like I love going to the conventions. I love seeing everybody like that's such a highlight, but it's also for me, what do I want to get out of the conventions? What are the things that are meaningful to me? And so, um, trying to go to some more of these low-key tabletop ones and connecting with people and building up relationships more in the, that community. And then it just also, it, I don't know, the, and just focusing on my energies in very deliberate ways on stuff that I think is um, benefit. You know, I want to be beneficial to like my career and everything like that, but also is feeding a different side of me as well. So that's, I guess very, going very philosophical and deep on my 2020 stuff. And then I am actually writing a book too. So we'll see oh. if that actually gets done. Book dreams, book goals. Yeah. Oh, the other convention though that I'm going to, this is another reason I might not be able to go to Pax East is I'm going to Evolutions and Psychotherapy in December. Oh, fun. So if you haven't been to that one uh any psychologist out there i highly recommend it it's a great it only happens every four or five years and oh, like, like aaron psychology Beck's, olympics it is well like aaron beck speaks um oh, like wow. everybody yeah 
It's one of the jokes I heard at the last one I went to is like, when you get invited to do a keynote at Evolutions, you immediately book an appointment with your doctor because you realize they're only asking you because you're close to death. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I famously, like, um, uh, Mnuchin was like their big keynote speaker one, one year and the next year he passed. And that, oh, like, wow. that happened with Viktor Frankl and I think Albert Ellis as well, maybe. I might be misremembering the stories that I heard, but... It was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, So they, it's all these really big names in psychology coming together and giving talks. So it's really cool. Yeah. yeah, The fact that you've already got your December for next year planned out. Like I feel like such a rookie. (laughs) So out of my league. You're just starting (laughs) with the journal. You'll get there, Kelly. You'll get there. (laughs) It's aspirational though. Well, no, here's the reason I know what I'm doing in December because it saved me 200 bucks booking it when I did. <laughs> yeah, that's usually a good a good incentive. Um, but like even just having that on your radar, like I can't even like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what I'm going to do for dinner tomorrow, much less what I'm going to do next week, much you less. You don't meal plan for the week that goes in no. your planner. Okay. See, the thing that, that plan word, we're not friends. Okay. Like <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a wonderful friend. Her name is Trin. I worked with her when I, when I worked at iThrive and she was, she's a, uh, a game designer, a brilliant game designer, but she was also working with us as a project manager. And literally that was like the best time of my life is because she took all my projects and she organized them in a way that was like, Kelly, this is due this day. Go do it. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Just, just tell me what I need to do and when I need to do it by, because I can't do that myself. Apparently, that's a part of my brain that just doesn't function. Um, as opposed to just like, otherwise, I just flit from idea to idea. I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this one. Ah, yeah, I got I got to be reined in a little bit. And uh, yeah, so shout out to Trin for like <laughs> being the most organized I've ever been in my life because somebody else did it for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't meal plan, but we pay for a program that meal plans for us. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, meal planning is important one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. So yeah, shout out to emails. They are it's an amazing thing. Um, yeah, it's it. You pay sixty dollars a year, and you get your weekly meal plans, and it t- gives you your grocery list. Nice. And oh wow. The meals build off of one another. It's like, hey, buy four pounds of chicken, cook up all four pounds, set aside two to use tomorrow night, mm. and you're going to use two tonight for this meal. That's nice. Yeah. That just blows my mind. I can't imagine having that, that much organization in my life. It's so <laughs> freeing. Not, like not being like, what am I going to make for dinner? What's in the fridge? You plan it at the beginning of the week, and then you can make your grocery list from it, just like Megan was saying. You should try it next week. You'll, your life will be changed. Okay. So first of all, we all know the psychology of behavior change is that you need <laughs> one thing, one thing that you're going to focus on and do that. And if you try to do too many of those one all things, right. Right. it's gone. So Let's like, focus yes, on just I'm, using the planner and we can progress yes. to meal yes. planning. I would like to, I yeah. would like to use the planner. There was a plant when I was looking, I was at Barnes and Noble looking like a deer in the headlights because they have all these planners and I'm like, I how do I, how do I make a choice when I don't know anything? And I opened up one and it was like, Hey, your daily schedule. And over here, here's your menu. And I'm like, Nope, put that back immediately. That is too much. (laughs) That is too advanced. I'm not ready for that. Um, that is too serious. That's like AP level, you know, like honors level planning. And I'm not, I'm not there. Um, and then there were some that broke it down by hour and I'm like, Nope, Nope. I Mm -hmm. I won't do it. Um, and then I saw the bullet journals, which were just like, we're an open notebook with thoughts in us. Fill us in. And I'm like, nope, that's too free form. Let's, let's find the Goldilocks planner here. So we'll, we'll see if I can stick with it. Like that to me would be the, even if I don't do anything in it, if I can just stick to what I put in there and keep writing in it, I think that would be, well, that would be a and win. Like, one of the big things too, though, is like, I'm very intentional with this is like, I don't want to feel like a failure in my planning. Hmm. Like I don't. The fun want to thing to- is that if you never plan, you can't fail at it. it yeah, and that's usually by the <laughs> end of the year what I have fallen to. <laughs> like oh. I did something productive. <laughs> um, hey, well, and that's that is something for me is like usually by the end of the year the use of the planner has fallen off considerably, and the end of the year just kind of is this whirlwind of confusion. But um, Rachel, how are you? Like, do you go the distance with your planner? Are you able to keep it up all year? I am. 
I, I live by it. I, yeah, I do. I mean, and, and it's not even like if I had to not live with it, I couldn't live without the big picture of just like mm-hmm. knowing like month by month, at least the major deadlines. Cause I feel like at the beginning of the year for a lot of people, you know, like I am definitely traveling in August or I have this really big deadline that I know is going to be in July or every year I do this in this month and just being able to mentally prepare and focus around it, like childcare or getting someone to cover my classes and being able to plan for that ahead of time um, saves a lot of anxiety in the long run and stress. Yeah, see, this is where I feel like the procrastination skill, that, like, no, if I had a superpower, procrastination, Kelly. My superpower is procrastination. <laughs> it's what I do really, really well. Um, and so, like, planning stuff out is really, uh you know, so big picture stuff, like realizing I need somebody to like, yeah, cover my classes and possibly pick up my child from daycare. You know, those are good things to to know about. Um, but I know if I hadn't figured it out, I would have done it on the fly and been like, Ooh, this is the thing I get to do now. And I like to do things on the fly. So it, it fits procrastination fits my lifestyle. Um, but not everybody's, especially the person who has to pick up the child or cover the class. So I'm right. trying to be deliberate about being mindful of that not everybody likes to procrastinate and do things on the fly. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't, I don't know why. It's so much well, more fun. And, and like you're just I... on a roller coaster. You're like, Wee! <laughs> <laughs> the blindfold, so you don't know when the drop is coming. But you're like, Wee! anyway, we are very different people, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think um, let's table this topic and come back to it in like April or so and just see how we're all doing with our journal use and see if I have set mine on fire or <laughs> what has happened with that. Very good. That sounds good. I'd love that. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, what are you doing Thursday? You're on Thuppence. You're coming to Thuppence. You feel the desire to watch Sarah, Ryan, and Steven play video games and talk psychology. Mmm. 9pm to 11.30. Geeks like a stream. <laughs> do, 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 do. Does anybody have a gaming confessional for the week? I played a game. A new one? <laughs> that, yeah, it was exciting. Ooh. I got to play a game. That's exciting. I know, right? What game did you play? I was playing Cat's Quest 2. Hmm. So Cat's Quest 2 is a... You can do it solo or you can do it couch co-op. So that's what I was playing with my husband. Um, and it is adorable. It's an RPG where um, even if you're playing solo, there's two characters. There's a cat and a dog, and you can swap off. But if you're playing co-op, obviously, you each have one. Um, and you you go to the, the kingdom of the cats, and you help solve all the problems like you would in any RPG there. And then you go to the kingdom of the dogs, and there's just, you know, storyline weaving them together. And the, like, the most wholesome thing is that you know, along the way, like there's even a, a point when a dog was like, oh no, it's cats. Oh wait, I learned that while I lived with them, we're not that different and we can get along. Like, oh, that's so sweet. And it's, it ultimately is about, you know, cats and dogs learning to get along with one another. And like the ultimate power is friendship. And it just, it was, it was really just like wholesome, adorable um, RPG, RPG fun. And it was couch co-op, which is like, those are my favorites. Cause then we get to play together. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, I wish there were more couch co-op games. I mean, I, yeah. I have a bunch that I can recommend. Um, I mean, Overcooked is always great. Oh, Overcooked is so much fun. Great. <laughs> uh, cat, I mean, Cat's Quest Two. If you have it, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it was like fifteen bucks. So not not a not a big purchase. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad that we got to we got to play it. That's awesome, Rachel. Have you been getting to play? I actually did play a little bit more of Untitled Goose Game today. My daughter had the Switch and she was playing Mario Kart and then she was like, Mom, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to play Mario Kart. And she was like, I know. And she like, she's like, the Goose Game. She knows I love it. So I um, <laughs> did a little mischief this afternoon, actually. I beat that game over Christmas and oh, I am fun. so proud. I am so <laughs> proud. Uh, honk, honk. Yes. So. <laughs> It is such you? a cute game. Like we, we played it. Um, we had the Switch car charger. So on the drive up to my parents' house, my husband and I got to play when we were not driving. Don't don't play games and drive. 
but no. when you are a passenger, play games. <laughs> yes. Although now you know how the Tesla has games on its console. Mm-hmm. It has Stardew Valley now. I heard. That's really exciting. No, I don't really know how you play in, on the car. But. Well, um, what I read actually a little bit about this. What they're designed for is while you're charging. So you go to the charger oh. and while 30 to 45 minutes that it takes to charge the batteries, you can play a that day in Stardew Valley. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I've decided that, uh, that was it Cat's Quest that I said is like Stardew Valley, but with murder? That might've been what I was talking about. I think on the last episode, <laughs> actually. There was, I'm pretty sure that's what I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was the goose game. Um, maybe it was the goose game. Um, except there's no I don't murder. think you murder anybody in the goose game, though. I mean, no, I haven't gone that don't. far, but... So spoilers, <laughs> you don't. I don't think okay. you murder anybody. Okay. But I remember playing something. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, this is like Stardew Valley, but with murder. This is why I like it. And I think it was Cat's Quest 2, actually. Um, because it's cute and it's idyllic and, like, there's, like, cute animations and it's, you know, very wholesome. Right. But you do get to slay dragons and use magic. And I ended up being a tank. I know. Shocking shocking right there i, I think um, kelly just introduced a new segment to this which is describe a video game in the oddest way possible like stardew valley but like, with murder i think that wins stardew valley with murder i yeah i stand by that i stand by it <laughs> wholesome good fun but instead of planting plants you are murdering small creatures <laughs> right cute. and we, so we got to bite we got to fight cat thulu in, the, in one of the oh, oceans nice. in the game, there is a cat Thulu, and we defeated it. And that's awesome. That was that was very exciting. Nice, very exciting. So not so much a gaming oh. confessional, but as a hey, what you playing type of. Nice. Well, so, uh, what have you guys been noodling on? What's been going on in your brains? Oh well, my brain has been just a, a tangle, a tangle of noodles. <laughs> um, next week start is the start of class. And I have been, I still don't have my syllabus together because uh, the last time I taught, that class had been taught before. And so I had like a template from which to build. This is entirely new. It is the psychology of video games. And I'm like, ah, ooh, this was a bad idea. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Um, yeah, so my noodling has been wrapped around. Um, I, I literally had a phone call today with Sarah where we went through a list of about 40 different books that I could choose chapters from and like topics to pull from. And yeah, my brain has just been trying to figure out because I'm not a planner. Like I know what I would want to talk to on the spur of the moment, but the idea of starting and like building up a curriculum over 16 weeks, it's like my brain is slamming itself against a wall. It just doesn't, it does not know how to brain in this area. So I've been, I've been reading the gamer's brain. I've been skimming through a lot of the books in my shelves. I've been trying to think, I even went to Reddit and asked in the game dev Reddit, like, hey, I'm a psychologist and a game designer. And if you were to take a class with me, what questions would you want me to answer or information to provide? Because I know it's important to me, but I don't necessarily know what's going to be important to, you know, a, a game dev student in terms of what kind of psychology and stuff they want. Um, so yeah, my brain's been warped around this because the procrastination is now kicking in and that class starts in a week. So I need to get a syllabus it's in, it's in my planner to have my syllabus done, or at least an outline done by Friday. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> wow. How about you, Rachel? Um, I've been noodling about how to take your brain out of holiday mode, put it back into work mode, because I am having problems with that. Um, the break was so long, and my kids were home the whole time, and uh, my kids just today's Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. So my kids started back at school yesterday. And when they went back to school, I was like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I need to get back into the routine and it's taking um, longer than expected. So I'm just trying to create some new habits and new routines. And maybe I should have got the planner with the hours in it so I could schedule my time. No, don't do that to it. yourself. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so yes. And I've been, I've been noodling on on that switching tasks switching modes back to business january now holidays are over that's so hard yeah i saw a great comic on twitter about that is a little stick person with a santa hat on it's like pre-december 25th festive and full of cheer december 25th through december 31st confused of what day of the week it is and very full of cheese yeah yes accurate very very accurate i'm in the cheese detox right now (laughs) 
<laughs> what about you, Megan? A lot of noodling just on self-care and what that looks like and balancing um, being productive and getting the things done that I want to get done while also enjoying my life and playing and spending time with my kids and um, doing my hobbies and things and trying to figure out that balance because arguably it has been bad over the past several years and I'm really wanting to change that um, and trying to figure out how has really been a challenge. But, but yeah, uh, just trying to figure out that balance. Um, and uh, always my brain keeps going back to noodling on issues of copyright. I'm going to get us all to talk about that one day on the show. Oh, interesting. We well, we should, because here's my thing. And I think Rachel, you will appreciate this, especially with being a researcher. Someone can take the hard work that you have done and cite it and put it into something and make lots and lots and lots of money off of that and never pay you royalty. That is true. I take, I pay for an album and I use five to 10 seconds of the music of that album in background on a stream that I do. And if I make any money on that stream, I have to pay the person who wrote that music tons and tons and tons of money. So the copyright of music versus like, but I guess it's all intellectual property, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And so, like, why does the intellectual property of a book get treated so differently to the recording of a song? Or we need a, a guest lawyer. Yeah, because actually, lob- okay. lobbyists are strong in the music industry. <laughs> yes, and yeah. researchers, especially psychologists in general, <laughs> yeah. don't really have a strong lobbying arm. Yeah, because yeah. we <laughs> can't afford one because we're all paying off our student loans. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Well, but let's like, it's not that I disagree that artists should make money off of what they've done. Like, quite the contrary. I think like they need credit and should be paid for their work. But it's also like it, not being able to use that work at all is challenging. And I don't know. There's lots of, I, I just get stuck noodling about that a lot. Obviously, we need an episode because I'm ready to go off on a tangent and just dive right in. But what I will say briefly is that I don't think the music industry has it wrong. I think research has it wrong. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that the only way to get research dollars is to fit into somebody's niche for a grant or like to beg money off of people to let you do research. Um, You know, it, it causes so many ethical issues. It causes so many problems with the science. And it's like, well, you should, if you're doing science, you should be doing it for the good of everyone. Well, you know, we're trying, but we still have to feed our kids. Um, presumably because mine is a bottomless pit. So I think <laughs> I, I, I wish that there was, you know, some, we need to treat researchers better. Yes, most definitely. Well, we'll, we'll, come back to this topic later because i think it's something that we could go off i like the idea though of bringing on a guest lawyer we'll have to think about front who might be a good person to bring on yeah. that but anyway um, it's 2020 it's 2020 let's uh let's see how it goes let's do this thing we got this we got journal this. power yeah. <laughs> journal power that's right <laughs> kelly you're in the cold now sorry not sorry actually. i'll send you the kool-aid it's okay I learned on a podcast over the holiday, the You're Wrong About podcast about Jonestown, how it wasn't Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, that's okay. It was something. It was, I think they call it something else. But anyway, just dispelling myths everywhere. Games well, are for everyone. No, Games can be positive, And it wasn't Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, I was more thinking like, I'll just have the Kool-Aid man come burst through your wall with a bunch of journals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as long as he pays for the, the, the repair. <laughs> If that's not the noodle doodle for this episode, then we are missing an opportunity. <laughs> All right. The Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid man, man busting in. Journals. journals. Oh, yeah. Getting organized. <laughs> oh, no, Kool-Aid. Naughty, naughty. Get out. Not yeah, this it could be. It could be you with like. <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. Yes. Yes. Get out of here with those journals. Oh, God. All right. I think we're done. (laughs) Okay. Good night. Brain Noodles is a production of Geeks Like Us. Your hosts for this podcast are doctors Megan Connell, Kelly Dunlap, Rachel Cowart, and Sarah Sawyer. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. 
Audio edited, mixed, and mashed by Amelia Herbst. Follow Geeks Like Us on Twitter at G33KS, like us, that's at G33KSLIKEUS. Until next time, keep noodling.